Let's go. What a day we have. Uh, I was working on the pre-show tweet, and then we got into an off-the-air conversation because I was listening to one of our SiriusXM competitors for a little bit this morning. I'll share that in a bit. Oh, there she is. Back where we belong. All right, so two things are happening. Number one, KJ Kindler comes rolling into the Brown O'Haver Studios because, I don't know, was it Perry that was out there gossiping? Okay, I like Perry. Perry gets a pass. He's my guy. But two things happen. Number one, that is my seven-year-old's drawing. It's amazing. Isn't it? Now, it's been sitting in my office. Look at the date. She even dated it. March 12th, 2021. I'm a good dad. (laughs) <laughs> it's been sitting yeah. in my office for almost a year. And 10 months later, <laughs> 11 actually, 11 months well, later. Well, you know, in my defense, uh, there was a stretch where we weren't able to do things in studio. But she, I, this shows you my uh, seven-year-old turning eight next month, Gwen Plank. We were, so at our house, my we have a detached garage, which has become my quote-unquote studio. It's pretty awesome. Um, so we walk through. Every single day, like we'll walk from the house and she likes to walk through the office. As we're walking through the office, she goes to my desk. She grabs it. She goes, Dad, it's two, It's Tuesday. JK is, she can never get it. <laughs> she always says JK. I'm like, KJ. She goes, KJ's on your show. Will you please give it to her today? And I was like, oh. now you can throw that thing away as soon as you leave here if you want. No. But there you go. This was during the, what's the movie that's on? Um, full out two. F- full out two. This was during a big full out two phase, um, where she still hasn't quite accepted that you weren't coaching during the movie, which is something I'm like, no, no, no. She's just on. Uh, it's very confusing, um, for her. But there you go. So that's my present. Thank you. you. This is going to go somewhere very special. <laughs> Coach brings us tumblers, candy, these incredible notebooks. I bring her a seven-year-old's drawing. I love so, it. So that's number one. Uh, number two, congratulations. Wow. What a weekend from shifting things. Did you have to have a moment where things have been so busy? You're like this past week and this past weekend, because that's where I am sometimes. <laughs> but first of all, weather throws a, a curveball. And then we moved to Sunday. And 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 I, I was I was working I was doing a radio show but from what I heard and what I saw on TV look like a really good crowd responded to to the last minute change yeah I mean obviously it's always hard when you have a change like that and we tried really hard to keep it to Friday but the the officials couldn't get in I mean it just it just wasn't going to work so pushing it to Sunday. Uh, did well. People came out, even though there was that big change, and spent their Sunday with us. So that was great. Yeah, it was fun. Um, so much to get to, but I'm curious. This week, I uh, I had the opportunity to go to Waco with the OU women's basketball team, and we ended up quite. I don't know if you heard stuck. Stuck. Uh, <laughs> stuck is a good way to put it. Uh, thanks to the great Kincaid coach line drivers, we were safe, and we stayed in Fort Worth. Spent a little time in. Uh, Traffic, but got home. I was wondering, you guys travel, women's gymnastics, during some of the most challenging times to travel, January, February, and for some reason we always have a winter storm in March. How challenging is that? And do you have any moments where you're like, I still can't believe we either A, got here or got stuck there? You know, it is always challenging, and we don't drive a lot of places. We'll we'll drive to the Metroplex Challenge. We'll drive to... 
um, TWU down in Dallas, or if we have an Arkansas meet. Otherwise, we're flying, but flying's just as challenging. You get uh, cancellations. In fact, this weekend, Arkansas called me last minute and said, can we get into your meet because West Virginia can't get here? You know, because that whole storm front went to the East Coast and all gymnastics schools were having a hard time fulfilling their weekends. So, yeah, it it does come into play sometimes. Um, And sometimes you skate through seasons and there's no issue. (laughs) (laughs) And it's weird how that works out. I think, and again, COVID kind of had an effect, but there'll be times where you get to the end of the year and you're like, what? Okay. All right. That's, Mm -hmm. um, we didn't have any delays. We didn't have any issues. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a layer. I don't think, well, I probably shouldn't say, I don't think it's a layer of planning that I know fans don't embrace or understand to the degree and to the challenge that it truly is. Yeah. The director of ops is huge in this because they have to switch gears like that, you know, and, oh, is there a flight? Is there a bus available? (laughs) You know, and they're making all the calls and they have all the stress. So we just want, we just want to get there. We just want to compete. How can we get there? Right. Um, But again, I just, I wanted to say kudos to the fans. I was, I was kind of late. I know that it's so hard to get the word. Well, it's hard, but it's also easy because you can throw it out on Twitter and that starts to spread the word. But inevitably, there's a handful of people that aren't on Twitter. Well, then you hit Facebook and there's people that aren't on Facebook. Then you hit the emails and maybe you're bugging the, the, the local newscast. But to get that word out is, is a little easier, but still a challenge because you want to hit everyone. But then to see the response that we had this week, and I thought, was, I thought that was pretty cool for the fans. Yeah, I, I know it's, it's still, we're not where we want to be, but we're getting there. Yeah, well, I apologize to anyone who didn't get the word. You know, <laughs> I know it's hard sometimes to get the word out, but my guess is those people probably were like, I'm not coming on Friday anyway. Right. It was a little tough to get out and, and get moving. So it was probably uh, to everyone's benefit and certainly to everyone's safety. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what did you learn about your team then on Sunday? What kind of stood out? Gosh, well, here's what stood out. We didn't start off very hot on vault. It definitely wasn't what we're capable of, and they responded well. You know, you never know kind of when a meet starts on that like, kind of low low level there, if they can amp it up, and they um, basically turned momentum into their favor. And I'll tell you, TWU did uh, – they had all the momentum after they competed bars. They were, like, hitting everything and very excited because for them, definitely a personal best there. But um, we had to kind of shift that momentum into our favor on bars. And, and kudos to D- Danny started bars and just nailed it. And I think that that kind of turned the tide. So I think uh, I was excited about how they responded to that kind of average um, vault performance and made the most of it the rest of the night. How – okay. Again, I keep falling back to this, and it's the last question I'll ask about the adjustment. What changes in preparation then? Where you have a team that you're kind of ramping up to be at their best on Friday, did you have a pretty good idea because of the weather? Did you have a bit more of a heads up? What did that change in preparation for you and getting your your athletes ready? Uh, We were always focused on plan A, which was compete Friday. So we executed like our, our week of practice um, that we normally would, which was um, Thursday off, but, um, Come Thursday, we had to make that decision and that change. So we practiced on Friday. And I do think that does throw them off a little. They're planning to compete. Their minds wrapped around competing. And instead, we're practicing. And by the way, practicing is so much harder 
than mm-hmm. competing. Like <laughs> you have to work harder. You it, you're in there a longer time. You do more reps. So so they kind of had you know. And and competition is not only you know fun. It's exhilarating. You know, it's it's uh, all that hard work comes to fruition, and you get to show off what you're doing. So practice is always hard when it's unexpected. And and uh, we we had to switch gears a little bit. I thought they handled it well, though. You know, but. Obviously, it would be better to have the smooth sailing. Right, exactly. Where it's like, <laughs> hey, we've been counting down to Friday. Did it affect anything now heading into this week for you? Um, no. Does it, kind of, does it shorten it or no? Are you good? It shortens it a little bit, but that's probably good after last week's long week. So um, we'll just have two days of practice this week, uh, today and tomorrow, and then uh, the day off before the competition. What is – okay, let, let's do – uh, the compliment sandwich, if you will, a couple of nice things, and then we'll get to the the if there is any struggles in the middle. Okay, the nice thing first of all, who's been a pleasant surprise for you this year? Oh gosh, there's it, a lot. Well, go but, ahead. I mean, we've got um, we got the whole show if you want. There's to. a lot. I I would say first of all, I'm, I'm super impressed with Reagan Smith and Carly Woodard. Like both of them have kind of lifted their expectations, and you know, thus their performances have been impeccable I'm both of them leaders on the floor and especially you know that one two in the at the end of the beam lineup having like this weekend a nine nine five and a ten to end that event like that is gigantic and and huge when you're going against you know the really big teams and especially in the postseason so having that kind of stability at the end is amazing but Carly doing floor um, definitely a great surprise for us and Reagan really embracing um, floor again, you know, last season she got injured in the middle of the year, couldn't do floor the rest of the year. So her return has been huge. And then Audrey Davis and Kat are, of course, um, you know, been huge contributors. Audrey doing the all around, which is a big um, responsibility. And and Kat, you know, jumping in on beam and possibly floor here coming up, like really impressed with how they've developed in the off season. And then Danae Fletcher, you know, just watching her kind of get into the the groove here. She's, she's fun to watch. Yes, she's fun to watch, especially on floor. Um, very powerful. And uh, also like very swingful on bars. Beautiful. It's very hard for us to pick our bar lineup right now because everyone is really so good. Um, and then, of course, you know, you've got a few others that are doing an amazing job. And I, I have to say Jenna Dunn starting off beam five hit routines in a row, all nine, eight, seven, five or higher. Um, that position is hugely important in gymnastics, that start off position on balance beam. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's honestly, I'm impressed by most of them. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, That's Jordan, Jordan Bowers, we've talked about her so much, right. but she's, she's a, a star in the making right now. So then that, that, that me compliment sandwich, say something nice. All right, let's, let's see where things need to get better. Vault. I mean, a, a fair place where you want to see continued improvement. Yes. Like we have three people out of that vault lineup who really need to be in. So we're bringing them along slowly, but wanting them in, you know, pretty much by the end of February, that Florida meet, um, that Michigan meet, trying to get uh, more Tenno start values. Danny Seavers, Maria Linker, Olivia Troutman. I mean, those are the people we're looking to to fill those spots. And then we have Audrey Lynn, who does a great Tenno vault. She just um, isn't quite there yet, but she should be like uh, in practice. It's phenomenal. Sometimes um, not quite there when we get to the arena, but I, I fully expect that to come along. And she certainly is working very hard to make it happen. All right. Then the other the other positive 
is just you mentioned it, the bars. It, what's the competition like to get in that bars lineup right now? It's pretty impressive. Number one in the country. I could not make the bar. <laughs> lineup. I can tell you that. Like it's hard. We are That's number awesome. one in the country, and I predicted it before we even started. Uh, I don't know how, but I just felt like watching bars in practice, like we were the real deal. And um, we do a lot of unique skills that you might not see from other teams. Our dismounts are all E-level, which is the highest level of dismount. Um, And then we're getting better at sticking, which is the name of the game in women's gymnastics. So we can have a great bar team, but we also have to stick that landing. All right. A couple more. Uh, but we do have an air comfort solutions text for you. 405-651-3439. You can hear Josh okay, right? Mm-hmm. Well, all right, go ahead, Josh. Jane asks on the text line, ask KJ what does she say to her beam gymnasts before they start? Is it different for every gymnast coach? Yeah. It always seems like you're kind of hyping them up a little bit. Well, actually. <laughs> I'm calming them down. Okay, I learned. <laughs> actually, like, the first thing I do is everyone takes a deep breath in and then out. And I kind of just, like, you know, kind of shake those nerves out of them. But then when I speak to them, a lot of it is about being very aggressive on their dance. Because really how they start their routine, if they start mm-hmm. really aggressively with their dance – then their tumbling really follows suit. Um, and, and you can see, like, if you see someone kind of stuttering on their dance, those are nerves coming out. And so we try to get rid of that the second they mount. And then different, I say different things to different people. You don't know, want to know what I say to Carly. <laughs> Carly, we have a thing. And, um, you know, I just say it's good I had a mask on the last couple years. <laughs> because no, no, no lip reading. <laughs> But she, she, I ask her a certain question and she answers me and it's like a thing now and that we have to do it every time. So, um, but we do, I do different things. I kind of read what they need, um, if you will, and, and really kind of boost their confidence as they get up there. And, and that's about it. It is very different for every person, but I will say the deep breath and, and definitely talking about dancing hard when they get on that beam is something I do for all of them. And it's, and it's a little different. Whenever you know what buttons to push, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And they all have different buttons. Sometimes it needs to be a little calmed down. Mm-hmm. Other times it's it's mm-hmm. let's go, right? Carly's is let's go. Let's go. I That's like what she that. responds to. Super Bowl weekend, but we're only focused on the Metroplex. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we're we're only focused on G-Dub coming yeah. to town, right? Yeah. So is Arkansas joining or no? No, that was oh, last, last week. Okay, okay. They, okay. they ended up uh, making something work at home, so um, they didn't come. But uh, we were certainly willing to help them if we needed to. 6.45 p. on Friday night. The weather's going to be fantastic this week. Get out and support. And then next Tuesday when you're in with us, um, gosh, we're counting down to Michigan, but the the Metroplex Challenge is a big-time event, right? Yes, it's on podium, and this will be our first podium meet, and we have Big 12s on podium as well, so this is a good practice for that. Um, NCAA Championships are on podium. This is kind of our first taste of that. And what the podium does for us is it, it changes timing just a little bit, so getting on it and practicing is a good thing, but it also gives you a little extra bounce. So vault and floor are always a little bit uh, easier on the body when you're on podium um, and beam is always a little more challenging because the the beam actually has some play in it you don't never want the four inch beam to have play in it but it does <laughs> it does and you have to kind of um, master it mentally so getting up there early is good and bars too like a little bit of different play in the bar rails just from the 
the um, podium that it's on. It's set on. That's awesome. Good luck this weekend. We'll continue to spread the word. Enjoy your Thank drawing. You. Thank you. Very well done, Gwen Plank. All right, we'll take a timeout. That's KJ Kindler again, Soonersports.com slash tickets for OU and G-Dub on Friday night. We'll come back. Got a little bit from last night's Kansas-Texas game to get into right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. How was your night, man? What'd you Anything exciting in the Josh Helmer world? It was good. I watched some Olympics last night. How about that? Good for you. So let's see. I watched Kansas-Texas, which was a, a really good game. Yeah, yeah. Watched all that. Big dub for the horns in that one. Timmy Allen was awesome. He was really good. And I was joking. I, I couldn't stop laughing about Jay Billis consistently calling him Tommy. <laughs> yeah, that was good. And that's his brother. He's like, if I call him Tommy Allen again, it was fantastic. But that was a good game. It was a good it, game. And he hit the – what was the go-ahead jumper – in, I'm trying to think, was it the ultimately the game-winning jumper? I think it was. I think it was, yeah. And he said, he called him Tommy again. He said, he said, ah, Tibby. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I watched the same thing. I did the same thing last night. And then I uh, was watching the men's figure, figure skating short program, which I have no understanding what is happening. Same. But it's my understanding after watching that Nathan Chin was incredible, and that was like the highest score – ever in the short program i will not lie to you josh helmer i have the hardest time and i know this isn't something that should bother me right but i can't figure out what's live and what isn't uh, if we're going you know current time in in beijing let's see here in beijing it is 11:26 p.m. So whenever I'm up late watching, I'm basically watching live what's happening over in Beijing, right? Essentially, if I'm up at like 1 a.m. That sounds correct, yeah. yes. Because I'm not going to do the math here, but let's just say it is a significant time difference from where we are. And I don't know why the ratings have been record lows for the opening uh, ceremony and everything else, but if it's tape delayed or if I'm not watching it live and I'm getting a little nervous about it, I'll just go spoil it. So that's like a me problem, right? It's like, gosh, what's going on here? Who wins this thing? Or anymore, I'll see something amazing. I, I was watching snowboarding, I guess is what it's called, and I saw this, I guess you would say athlete, right? Go down this massive drop. She circles up and flips about 86 times, tumble, lands what I think is perfectly, and the analyst goes, oh, she's going to have to – she's going to get dinged a little bit for that. I'm like, for, for what? Perfection? What? What are we doing? Like, I can watch figure skating be like, oh, that dude fell, right? Or you can watch the slot. I'm like, oh, they missed one of those little flag thingies, right? I see someone that lands an awesome – triple half pike or whatever and then they they're oh knee came untucked a little bit on that one it's like what what are we doing that was amazing yeah it, it, with a lot of these events and even even the short program for men's figure skating last night they're talking about quad and triple toes and, and different tricks and all these things there's 
outside of just one of the skaters outright falling to the eyes, right? It's so hard to tell who's done well and who hasn't. I thought uh, the 18 year old Japanese skater Yuma Kagiyami, just watching as someone that's super unfamiliar with figure skating and scoring or you know knowing mm-hmm. what to look for. I have no idea. Right. I thought he was the most impressive, but uh, I guess what Nathan Chin did was just more difficult, the the technical side of it. You know what? That would have been a good conversation for KJ, right? When we talk about it looks amazing, but the level of difficulty of what they're trying to do is more impressive. Maybe that is in line with my confusion over snowboarding. But I was much like you in that I'm, I'm kind of sitting around watching college hoops last night and – you know, flipping around to the Olympics, I found myself watching some of the media day, which is <laughs> yes, back at the class, please. This is this is just, I, this isn't a political take when I say this, and so I just want to make this very clear. But it seems so odd when we are and when we aren't concerned about the spread of COVID all of a sudden, right? You you have all of these press conferences that are done virtually, but yet nobody seems to have a problem when Zach Taylor goes to a bar to um, to give a game ball to the city of Cincinnati, and no one seems to have a problem whenever everyone is embracing whenever the games are over, but yet, oh, oh, these press conferences better be Zoom. I'm just... It, as goofy as Media Day is in the NFL, I'm watching these Zooms and it's just, it's too organized, okay? I need chaos in these things. I need someone showing up in a wedding dress and proposing to Joe Burrow. I need some dude in a dog collar barking while he asks questions. This is too sane for me right now. We need the late-night TV hosts to get their stupid questions. That's right. I need the 8-year-old that asks a question that everyone's like, wow, man, what a great question. He's better than half of these normal reporters. That if a 38-year-old asks, he'd be like, bro, that's the dumbest question anyone has ever asked. So I just, I don't, my mind is blown. You know, I, I heard Al Michaels talking about it today. Al Michael said, it's the weirdest thing ever. I'm calling a game in L.A. There's a mask mandate. But yet the mayor and the governor are down there. The governor and the – yeah, I guess it is the governor and the mayor. And they don't have their masks on while they're walking around taking pictures with everyone. What is going on? So politicalness that that can create aside, I guess I find myself very perplexed as to why we're still doing all this via Zoom for the players and then – I wonder if that's going to be the same case whenever Roger Goodell meets with the media. I doubt it later this week. Yeah, I guess I can sort of understand. The players a little bit, right? Well, just Super Bowl week itself, to to not have the massive scrum of media and folks that really aren't sports reporters showing up on Super Bowl week to ask these oddball questions. I mean, it turns into essentially organized chaos like you said there's so many people there and ultimately it's unnecessary for the game completely unnecessary you know they're not going to get asked a lot of questions about the game and 
it's not your typical media setting. And ultimately, is that going to change the ratings one iota? What happens? The, no. the build-up to no. the Super Bowl? No, 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 no. I don't no. think so either. And that's not my complaint, to, just, just to be clear. My complaint is that I just I find it interesting when we do and when we don't really feel the need to enforce these mandates and these rules. Well, and I'm looking at it from the National Football League's perspective, what they won't tell you, but sure, if the bottom line was in jeopardy, then let's have uh, media availabilities how we've always had media sure. availabilities. It's not, so why risk it? Here's, here's one more dumb question. How many times have you heard of a player missing a game since the Browns-Raiders game got moved to Monday Night Football or the Tuesday games? How many times have we even heard of COVID issues in the NFL? Feels like it's been uh, a minute. I don't think we have at all, right? No. There was that stretch that was Yeah, that's what I'm talking bad. about, right? They had that stretch leading into when they were just testing nonstop. Basically, they're like, if you're not sick, we're not testing you. So I just I, I found that interesting. But beyond that, I was very much tied in to Texas, Kansas last night. What did we learn? We'll get some uh, highlights and some notes next. I was actually, Josh, impressed with how Texas has bounced back its last two games after its tech loss because I kind of thought the loss to Texas Tech for Texas could be the best way to put it soul crushing kind of rip your heart out but they smoked Iowa State on Saturday and that was a that was a good win and I thought you know Bill Self afterwards wow it was like Bill Self was opening up the Chris Beard fan club do you hear Self afterwards I'll play no I, okay. I did not I'll play it for you next it was I mean, I know that if I say I thought it was pretty cool that the ire of tech fans, tech teen will be all over. It's like, how dare you say something nice about Chris Beard? But he was extremely complimentary of, of Chris Beard afterwards. You know what else was awesome last night? Let's College see. basketball. Oh, in general. No, I don't. What, what else caught your eye? Virginia's game winner over oh. Duke. I, yes. I know we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about it this morning because it wasn't a Big 12 game, but just the, the ending sequence of that game was pretty amazing last night, too. They get the tie up, one extra possession, beautiful, beautiful play that Virginia draws up, and cash money in Cameron. How about that? I noticed that the Duke hate is still very much alive and well on the social media platform known as Twitter. It's it's still very, very much a we hate Duke mindset. And when they lose, it's a celebration, just like last night. Uh, but high praise for Texas from Kansas coach Bill Self. We'll get into it next. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. You mentioned the game winner last night. Between Virginia and Duke? Yes. I hadn't heard the call. This is the call on the Virginia radio network. John Freeman, the voice of the Virginia Cavaliers. Seven foot one Williams standing and waving his arms in his grill. Beekman 
Trying to locate a recipient. Dishes it to Kihei Clark with five, with four. Clark finds Beekman, fires the three. Yes! Good! Yes! He hit the He's shot! Got it! He hit the shot got with it! .7 seconds to go! Oh, my goodness! <laughs> my goodness, the silence is deafening! <laughs> oh, my! Virginia leads by one! Timeout! Those people on Media Row are going to be like, gosh, we hate these guys. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? It wasn't the game winner, but Craig Way's call of the half-court heave at the end of the first half was pretty, pretty good, too. I totally forgot about that play. All right, all right here, here's what it sounded like on the Texas Longhorns radio network. Across the floor, driving, pedigree to the left side, lost it. Cunningham picks it up, five seconds. The car, three, two, Marcus launches a three. Goal! He drains it at the buzzer. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was a good call, man. Two really good calls last night. Um, by the way, you, you want the, you know, actually the best call of the night came from the Chattanooga Mercer game, which we'll play in a bit. But since I can't find, I cannot find any Bill Self audio, but I did find, you know, transcriptions of what he said. Last night, became the first time that Texas has won three straight versus Kansas. It's the first time a Bill Self-coached Kansas team has lost three straight to a Big 12 opponent, which is pretty wild. Hollywood, even though no one uses that nickname but me, I guess. Good old days, Tulsa fans. Good old days. Uh, Bill Self said the Texas crowd at the Irwin Center was probably the best his Kansas program had played in front of in their trips to Austin. You know what? I I wasn't in the arena, obviously, but watching on TV, and I was. Uh, this is how good the crowd was to me. I was watching on my my phone and kind of working on my desk, and I had, I don't know, maybe the Olympics, maybe Madden up something on my TV, and I was like, I'm putting this on screen one. And I went over and cranked it up, kind of put this the, the sound. It was, for as bad as Texas basketball fans typically are, right, that was pretty electric last night in the Irwin Center. They were revved up for the right. final game against Kansas inside the Irwin Center. Um, they Kansas missed their last five free throws? I, was, I had forgotten about that. They had a real dry spell shooting – from, say, the eight to about the four-minute mark, too, that obviously was super costly for the Jayhawks. Um, and then, finally, oh, two, two other quick things from Bill Self here. Quote, if you would have told us before the game that we'd hang 76 on Texas, that's a good deal for us. It's the most the Longhorns have given up in a win this season. The previous high was 59 by West Virginia on January one. And uh, where was his? I was the previous high was 59 points? In a win. In a win. In a win in for a win. Texas? Yeah. How about that? That's still, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Kind of wild. Yeah, here was the quote on Here was the quote on, on Chris Beard because someone said, hey, feel like that's a signature win for Texas uh, and for Chris Beard. And Bill Self goes, you talk about Chris Beard getting a signature win? He's going to have a ton of these wins while he's there. I was like, whoa. Okay, look at 
Bill Self, immediately public enemy number one of Texas Tech fans. How dare you say anything nice about Chris Beard? But that was, hey, in a time where the battle for your sports eyes is about to heat up, right? Football has the Super Bowl this week, and it's almost as if as a sports fan, as a consumer, you sit there, you're like, okay, what do you got for me, sports world? Not too shabby what's going on in college basketball right now. Not too shabby at all. Meanwhile, the NBA, C.J. McCollum is apparently going to get traded to New Orleans. Did you see that this morning? Interesting. We'll, we'll get to that in the top five stories of the day. Jada Coleman next hour. Uh, but w- one more. Okay, so I mentioned we gave you the call of the end of the Virginia game, right? Virginia's game-winning three-pointer. There was like .7 seconds left. It but- was Beekman. The silence is deafening. The silence is deafening. You heard the call by Craig Way at the end of the first half on the Texas buzzer beater. Now, Jim Reynolds of the Chattanooga. Go ahead. Chattanooga. (laughs) Just fire me. Just come in here and relieve me of my duties. Of the Chattanooga Mox Sports Network. This is this is fantastic. Or right now, long inbound pass to Grant Ledford. He's going to go all the way and lay it up and miss it. Mercer rebound. Bears back the other way. Near side walk. Seventy-one seventy game. Throwing right it away. inside. Dunk is good with nine seconds left. Seventy-two seventy-one Mercer. He doesn't give the score, which is a problem. Mox inbound. Eight seconds left. Down by one. Mox down one. Malachi Smith opens up the floor. Drive to the basket. Caldwell's basket. Good! At the buzzer box win! It sounds like they were playing in a YMCA gym. Was anyone at that game? All right. Uh, so of the three big calls last night, I think the Virginia call wins. You know what? The Mox call sounded a little better to me last night when I was putting this together. And it's a rec league championship for the Mox! That's what it sounded like. I, I, oh, oh, hold on, hold on. Hold on, John Freeman. I kind of think John Freeman's call wins the night last night. Take you back to Virginia. Seven foot one, Williams standing and waving his arms in his grill. Beekman trying to locate a recipient. Dishes it to Kihei Clark with five, with four. Clark finds Beekman, fires the three. Yes! Yes! He hit the shot! He hit the shot! With .7 seconds to go! Oh my goodness! Oh, my. Virginia leads by one. That's a pretty good call. Every great radio play-by-play call has the color commentator that's just basically a hype man. Right, exactly. Just going crazy. That's, I think, a key component. So, uh, Virginia knocks off Duke last night. They've had a bit of a struggle this season. Virginia just 15-9. and Reese Beckman who made the three-pointer last night, finished the game with just seven points, and that was his only three-pointer made. They had only made one three before that shot the whole game. (laughs) How about that? So, yeah, their second three-pointer made was the game winner. So, okay, we got a break. The only game of the Big 12 last night, by the way, was Kansas and Texas. Texas wins it 79-76, back-to-back wins for the – uh, Longhorns, what, next Wednesday? It's got that big, what, uh, can Well, I've got Kansas State-Baylor on my mind because, Josh, yesterday I did talk to Bruce Weber, 
he's he, he's a good dude to talk to. But a week from Wednesday, you got Texas Baylor right around the corner. You've got Texas Tech coming to Austin. What is that this weekend? Did you ask him his thoughts on Shane Southwell and when he'll be taken over? I did not ask for his thoughts on. Oh. He's saving his job. They're going to beat Baylor on Wednesday night. But I, I have a. I posed this to Toby in the crossover, and I want to pose it to you next. And it's about the Big 12 style of play. And Jay Billis, Book Book Shambi, by the way, I forgot how good he is calling a basketball game. Uh, he and Jay Billis got into this quite a bit last night. And I kind of want to get your take on it. So when we come back. Is the Big 12 setting itself up for tournament failure? I'll explain next. Tomorrow, just to kind of give you an idea, because Jada Coleman is coming up. I think I got my time right, 10.30. Jada Coleman's coming up at 10.30. Um, the softball team is off to Santa Barbara tomorrow. We have our first trip of the season before a Thursday one off with UCSB, the Gauchos. And then we take on, I guess everyone's kind of looking forward to what, Saturday night against UCLA? It's a big one. Um, and there's a major story in the sports world that we haven't talked about yet. And it's going to sound goofy when I say it. But Kyler Murray's social media activity, I think, is worth a segment on this show. Really? I'll tell you why. Coming up in a bit. But before I pose this question on the uh, the Big 12 and the style of play, uh, you, you guys are the lifeline of this station. You're what make us happen. So at 405-329-9000 or the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439 where you don't need to wait on hold, you can text in your takes like that. Lightning quick. But Bill has jumped in, and I, I don't want to make Bill wait. So, Bill, you get the last word this hour, my man. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Bill. Uh, how many how many scholarships does the OU basketball team have? Oh gosh, uh, that's a. I'll, I'll dig. I'm like available now, or how many scholarships do they have in general? How many will they have? How many are they? Will they graduate? How many will they have uh, going into next year that they can? Bring on campus. Good question. That's going to take some research. Let me do a little bit. Because, and then also, I guess for basketball, it's not as hard to figure out like the the COVID year, but, you know, what is the, what is the seat? I'll ask Toby too. He might know off the top of his head. Yeah, that's a good resource. But what, what does it look like for like guys like Shagwa and Emoja Gibson and, you know, some of these guys, uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that Tanner Groves is playing his last year of eligibility, but Jacob's got a couple years left. So I'll I'll dig a little bit, Bill. Why? You, you ready to just kind of clean slate here or what? Well, no, I'm just – we're going into the SEC, which is probably maybe not as good. But I, And this is not a slam at Juan. He got players, but he never got the players that could really get us into the top of the Big 12. And the SEC is not much weaker. I just hope, or, and I'm ashamed of myself. I forgot our new coach's name. <laughs> Porter Moser. <laughs> Porter Moser. Uh, and give him some time. Is Porter going to go after the more highly recruited players and hopefully get some of these guys where we can be Bill. in the proper part of the oh. league? We, we got to run. End of hour number one. Appreciate the phone call. We'll, we'll answer that here. 
now. Heading to the top. How about this? We'll answer this now. Yes. And he's <laughs> got Milos, Milos Uzen in this class signed. Otega Owe is signed. Uh, who's the kid? They've got the overseas kid, too. Mm-hmm. But, I, matter of fact, at Sooner's Wire, I spend you know a decent amount of time looking at offers and this and that. And I've been meaning to do a deep dive on the basketball side just because I thought there would be interest in that. So, at some point, I'll write that piece and be able to maybe provide a little bit better information. And by my count, I think there's six scholarships that would be available at the end of this year. But I'll, I'll ask Toby during the break. Let's talk about the style of playing the Big 12 next.